0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Carrie Nelson.
1: And we love to watch. We love to watch a racially charged Christmas.
0: Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a
2: real good time. I feel alive. Carrie
0: Hi.
1: to clarify, we don't love to watch a racially charged Christmas. I don't know if I made that
2: clear we're We're gonna get into that very quickly because that is the um that is the Guido in the room. Um, <laughs> am I leaning into the joke too hard? We'll find out. Ah, uh, but uh yeah, we're if you've never heard this before, where we love to watch. we're a movie podcast. we pick a theme. We do movies over the course of that month around that theme, and if we remember, We compare and contrast. And this month, we're in our third week of A Very Saccharine Christmas, where we are watching uh, the the best incarnations or the most representative incarnations of the made-for-television Christmas movie. And we started with the Netflix ones, with A Christmas Prince 1 and 2. Last week, you heard us uh, occasionally talk about the Hallmark incarnation called North Pole. And this week we're at the Lifetime, the one that kind of started it all before it really, I think, the, the, the crown went to Hallmark sometime in the late late 2010s or mid-2010s. But here we have sort of an early one when they were doing just a couple a year, and that is 2006, The Road to Christmas, with actors whose names you know. <laughs> one, and almost like crossing paths on how famous they are. Uh, as much as I love Jennifer Grey, um, she was a little bit uh, not as famous for some reasons I bet we'll probably talk about a little bit. Uh, what I didn't realize till after this movie was over, <laughs> her real-life husband. Yep. Is, uh, I don't know how I didn't realize that. Uh, but at the end, when I was looking it up, I'm like, oh, holy shit, she's married to Clark Gregg? Like, before this movie? Like, five years before this movie came out? But Clark Gregg, who would get pretty famous around this time first with... Uh, The New Adventures of Old Christine. Uh, where she played Julia Louis Dreyfus's uh ex-husband, and then of course in the Avengers movie as Agent Colton? Colson? Sure.
0: The guy that's not Samuel L. Jackson.
2: Yeah, the, the SHIELD guy who's not Samuel L. Jackson, but is also one's basically not bald. Colby Smulders. Uh yeah, so this is them crossing in the night while apparently still loving each other till death do they part. Uh in a movie The Road to Christmas. Uh and we have uh Uh, Our executive producer, friend of the show, great friend of the show, uh, who I feel like we haven't had on in a while, but that's because we don't have her on every month. We feel lonely and abandoned, Um, (laughs) but it may may have only been a couple months. Uh, Carrie Nelson. Carrie, welcome back to our show.
0: Thank you so much for having me as your diversity pick for Christmas month. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back, Carrie. This <laughs> thank you. Usually, 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 when we're thinking about diversity for the month, we count you as a white person. But for this month, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, as as you may have seen in your news alerts, as of tomorrow, there will be an executive order signed saying that uh, Judaism is a nationality. So- Great news for everyone. Congrats. Um no 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 no, no no no. This is this so is, bad. This is this is the this is the first step towards the camps. This is so oh.
2: bad. <laughs> I feel like it's the sixth <laughs> step, but the fact that we're along the hopscotch ring or whatever this you want to call is not it is great. disturbing. No. <laughs> yeah. just uh a to, just to me. let you know. Now we're branding everybody. <laughs> no, you are this. You're not white anymore. Um uh, <laughs> so yeah. Good times, but yes. thankfully Hallmark is responding because I believe they're they've produced a couple of Hanukkah special movies. Oh out.
0: boy, yeah. There's Have a- you watched them yet? Are they out? I've watched one of them. There are two more coming out. I will eagerly be watching all of them. From from the bit of research I've done into this particular type of film, it seems that the only time that Hanukkah comes up in Hallmark and Lifetime holiday movies is when there's an interfaith couple and it's like the only time that interfaith couples are ever like recognized as anything in media
2: and i bet it's about how the other faith couple the non-christmas celebrating couple needs to somewhat embrace the spirit of christmas
0: yeah a lot of it is like (laughs) this jewish person has to learn how to celebrate christmas as if like Jews aren't inundated with Christmas every year since birth and have no idea what Christmas is.
2: (laughs) Well, well, yeah, everyone knows they understand it. Like, as far as now, this is just based on what I've seen on TV. I think they're leading the war against it, right?
0: That is correct. So
2: you have to know your enemy. Like, when you guys go to the training things to attack Christmas, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you get a rundown of of how important it is for the uh, minority of this country, in their heads, <laughs> Christians.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> the most persecuted minority in this country. Yeah. Christians.
1: Um, yeah, this is, to be clear, Lifetime is basically missionary work. Um, but instead of uh, swinging an axe at your head, they're offering you cookies and, uh, I don't know, holiday hunks. Like if you don't love Christmas, Hol- holiday
2: hunk Clark Gregg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's. No, I holiday think hunk. Clark Gregg is a. It's like a very charming, handsome man, but he's not. Maybe not quite what like 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 if you were like asking Santa. Notice you for, couldn't name a single holiday hunk from one of these. Uh, no, movies. hold on. No, I can. Uh, but I'm saying like <laughs> if you ask Santa uh for a holiday hunk for Christmas and then underneath the tree was a person-sized package and then as you woke as you opened it it had like a box in the packaging of the 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 official holiday hunks and you opened it up and it was the the Clark Gregg doll. <clears throat> I feel like you might be a little disappointed. Like <laughs> not completely disappointed, but maybe just a little bit. It's kinda like when you like asked your mom for Batman toys And she got you the Batman Returns as just two penguins.
0: (laughs) But he's a particular kind of dad hot that works really good for this movie.
2: Yeah, well, he needs to be.
1: Lifetime, this is before these movies became a little bit more diverse in the age of women that they were targeting. So I think particularly the Netflix movies and some of the recent uh, Hallmark movies have targeted more like um, 20-something women. People um, in comas. Whereas th- th- this this era of uh, Lifetime uh, and this era of Hallmark um, were specifically targeting middle-aged uh, women. So you would find an age-appropriate hunk at the time.
0: Yeah. And what better hunk than the person the female lead is actually married to?
1: Yeah. It's a it's tried good. and true parent. Uh, it's a tried and true <laughs> coupling. All right.
0: Yes.
2: Although, and we'll get to this, but- It feels like the movie is setting up the daughter to fall in love with Jennifer.
0: (gasps) I was thinking that too. Yeah,
2: it's Um, it's it's, it's, it's it's interesting that they claim the daughter is (laughs) twelve. Oh, she's supposed to be 12.
0: She's in like eighth grade or something.
2: Yeah,
1: they, they I was like, oh, she's I mean, supposed to be like, fair.
2: She looks like she's 20.
1: She's supposed to be like a high schooler. And I was like, oh, she's just really attracted to to this, to this lady, to this Jennifer Grey lady. And then you're like, oh, maybe maybe they're going to figure out something interesting to do with this because uh, um, the movie also has uh, a- actual canonically gay
2: characters in it. Um. And definitely, definitely doing uh, a representation that's slightly better than the other uh, notably gay film uh, released in 2006. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Slightly better than that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, slightly better.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get there. But yeah, you're right. She makes the daughter makes smoky eyes at Jennifer Grey and they play the romance, the romance music that's typically associated with when the hunk spots the actually not when the hunk spots the lady, when the
2: lady when the the Clark Gregg. When, when the when the Jennifer Grey spots the Clark crack. or the Tom Hanks like it's like uh, speaking of a movie we did last year it reminds me of when Tom Hanks sees Meg Ryan in the airport for a sack before yep. he knows who she is and like the everything slows around him the music goes up and he just looks like in love and what this movie is positing is that happened except the daughter met and fell in love with her new mom <laughs> like <laughs> Like, she, the kind of love you have for a mom is, like, what—is is the is the love at first sight that happened Look, to her daughter.
0: Anyway, you thir- when you're 13, exploring your sexual identity can take many different forms.
2: Yeah, I'm—if that's what was going on, and again, and the daughter was 20, I think we have an interesting subversion. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie still tried to have some level of gay subversion. It just wasn't as—I'm uh, was going to say not kind. successful. Um— <laughs> Uh, and that's before this movie really took what it had to take to task, which are Italians. But we'll get into that uh, quite a bit.
1: <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, uh, um, well,
2: it's it's a it's it's like this, but fifty uh, percent less interesting. What one thing is worth noting is again, this was Lifetime has a lot of Christmas movies. I did uh, some research and compared some various online lists that like said what was the best example, and this. Came up in the top five on three different lists I found, and candidly, like I can, this feels like a made-for-TV movie that some effort was put into, right? Like I, mm-hmm. the actors are good actors. It it looks like it looks like a made-for-TV movie, but it doesn't look like the way that like some of these other ones, uh, more recently, when they're trying to do twenty a year, are made-for-TV movies where they're like made for some television station. Uh, that you've never heard of. This feels like, hey, we're Lifetime. We have a specific demographic. We put some production efforts into these movies. And so I can see why, in a lot of ways, this has some level of uh, regard among people that rank 100 Lifetime made for original movies. It also, much like North Pole, which got uh, high highly ranked in a couple of Hallmark ones, does concern me. Um, into what some of the lower-ranked ones are filled with. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, before we get into that, Carrie, you have a game. Yes, I did. We haven't done a game in a while. We're very excited.
0: So as, 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 as listeners may know, I am of the Jewish persuasion. We, we talk a lot about Christmas movies this time of year, but we don't talk quite as much about what I'm going to refer to as the Hanukkah media canon. Which I, I, I'm calling it media because for this to actually count as a game, I have to include movies, TV, and music so that there's enough to talk about.
2: It's but weird that that would be the case, though, based on what I've also been informed about who controls the media. There's
0: a lot of mixed messaging going on. So I have, I have um, appropriately eight questions for you about Hanukkah media. And, uh, who would like to go first?
2: I'm gonna have Peter go first. Hi, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm swell. I'm I'm
2: excited
1: about this game. We haven't had a game in a while.
0: I know, this one, and I've never brought one on before. I feel like, I feel like such a deadbeat, just, like, showing up and not, like, like, bringing (laughs) stuff with me. (laughs) This time I was like, ooh, I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Are you my grandmother? (laughs) I needed to bring something. (laughs) No, you didn't. You really didn't. Um,
0: (laughs) um, If I don't bring you a pie, are you going to know that I love you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Carrie, no. I won't. (laughs) So so please, let's enjoy this pie together. Hit me with the first question.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. The Don Bluth film, An American Tale opens during Hanukkah. What does Five Mouskowitz receive as a Hanukkah present? A, a dreidel. B, a hat, C, a cat, D, cheese.
1: Um uh, I'm gonna I mean cheese seems too obvious. I'm gonna go with hat.
0: That is correct. Yes.
1: I loved I loved those movies growing up, but I haven't seen them in so long.
0: So good.
1: Five right. Mouskowitz. I've never connected the fact that the American tale movies are about Jewish immigrants.
0: Uh, Fun story. One time, one time I was uh, out to dinner with my husband and we overheard a family next to us talking about trying to remember the name of the American Tale Christmas movie. And we were like choking on laughter because it's like the family's name is Mousekowitz. They don't have a Christmas movie.
2: Oh, yeah. What's the the name of of their uh, Easter special where their mouth savior uh, died and rose from death?
1: (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Jokes on you. They don't celebrate Christmas because there's Jehovah's
2: (laughs) Witnesses now. All uh, right. One and, of my favorite tweets yes. of all time is, uh, which I'm sure you've seen, Carrie, is like imagining the studio executives who's like, I got an idea for a movie. Uh, a, a mouse heads out west and becomes the new sheriff. And they're like, we just released a movie last year about a, a group of <laughs> Jewish immigrants, mice. So I don't know if that's a good idea. And the studio exec <laughs> responds with, fuck it, it's the same mouse and he goes west.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so real. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right, Aaron. Kirk Cameron is known for appearing in evangelical Christian movies, but he is not oh, the- he o- is. But he is not the only Growing Pains cast member to appear in religious entertainment. Which of his co-stars was on the Hanukkah episode of Shalom Sesame? Was it A, Alan Thicke, B, Tracy Gold, C, Jeremy Miller, or D, Leonardo DiCaprio?
2: I don't think it was Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> um... Uh, but the fact that you didn't laugh when I said that now is making me suspicious. Um, I feel like, so before you said anything, I was going to guess Tracy Gold. Um, so I'm going to go Tracy Gold.
0: That is incorrect. It was Jeremy Miller. But <sighs> Tracy Gold was on another episode of Shalom Sesame. They were getting all of the early 90s Jews
2: okay. on that show. <laughs> I didn't know that Jeremy Miller was Jewish. I knew Tracy Gold was.
0: Yes. Very good. All right, Peter. Before this year, the last time the Hallmark Channel featured a, featured a Jewish lead character in one of their holiday films was 2012's "Hitched for the Holidays." <sighs> that character was played by an actress who currently appears on which Emmy-nominated comedy series? A. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. B. The Good Place. Sh- C. Schitt's Creek. Or D. Russian Doll.
1: Oh no, um, Russian Doll. <laughs>
0: no, nope, I would have Schitt's is- Creek. It it is it is Schicksil Creek. Um, Emily Hampshire plays a Jewish woman who uh, starts a fake relationship with uh, Italian Catholic um, <laughs> Joey Lawrence. That's who it is. Joey Lawrence. Ooh, Italian.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, Aaron. What do you mean by that? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Just you know, my my uh, my sister dated an Italian guy, and you know, there's a lot of stories. Why
1: are, why is everyone telling me this about Italians?
2: Why well, don't... we're also telling you about Joey Lawrence and the whole Lawrence family, to be honest. <laughs> Matthew hey. Lawrence, the kid that went nowhere. Um,
0: oh, they did have a third one. Yeah,
2: because they had a show called, the. I, I think it was called The Lawrences. That's right. The Lori. The Lori.
0: <laughs> we speak for the the Lawrences. <laughs> Aaron. The following actresses are named in one of the many versions of Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song and identified by Sandler as Jewish. Which one is not actually Jewish and was just incorrectly labeled as such? A. Paula Abdul B. Jennifer Connelly C. Scarlett Johansson D. Jennifer Beals
2: For some reason, I feel like there was just some article I read about Scarlett Johansson, although I want to answer her just for a variety of reasons, but I'm going to go with Jennifer Connelly.
0: It is, it, you're, you're close on Jennifer. It's Jennifer Beals. Oh. She apparently considered converting and then never actually did.
2: I mean, Scarlett Johansson is Jewish and everything else. So,
0: yeah, right? she's she's all things.
2: <laughs> if there was a song uh, celebrating Asian people, <laughs> she or would men be in, that. or anything, <laughs> she would be included. So, do you
1: think she went, do you think when she made Lucy, she thought she was actually Lucy
2: and could become some sort of like um Listen, being? guys. I am using 100% of my brain now. Yes. You guys use 10% as everyone knows, <laughs> common knowledge. Um, so as such, I know that I am everyone. So.
0: Definitely <laughs> Peter, the the Rugrats Hanukkah special was protested by the ADL for which of the following reasons? Oh god. <laughs> A, it featured characters that resembled Nazi drawings. B, Tommy Pickles' speech about Israel and Palestine bothered them politically. C, it didn't portray the story of Hanukkah accurately. D, they were bigger fans of Rocco's modern life.
1: (laughs) I think it was the story of Hanukkah correctly.
0: It's actually A, um, Grandpa Boris is drawn in a way that looks like Nazi propaganda from the 30s, according to the ADL. Oh. Which is... Which is fucking wild. Yeah, which is where was the ADL
2: for the road to Christmas?
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, what's interesting is I've talked before about how the Rugrats. I grew up with like the Rugrats uh, holiday specials on like an orange Nickelodeon tape, and Mm -hmm. I like one of my favorite things about it was that it was like that Tommy Pickles got to have both. I thought it was so cool. Um, oh yeah. He, he didn't have to compromise. Um, and that like there's just so there's like a standard Christmas episode, then another standard Christmas episode, then a whole one that's telling like the story of the Maccabees. Uh Maccababies, I think is what they call them. Um,
0: a Maccababy's gotta do what a Maccababy's gotta do.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Thank yes. you. So uh, uh, yeah, wow, that's that's uh that's an interesting gripe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was I I was just getting curious about like I hadn't watched that episode in a long time and I was just researching the history of it and I had not remembered that happening at all. But then I talked to a couple of friends that remember it from the time. So it was like a huge deal. I don't know. <laughs> super weird. Um, super weird. But whatever. Yes. Aaron, yeah. the 2019 Hallmark Channel film Holiday Date is about an interfaith romance between a Jewish man and a Gentile woman. What is what is the name of the film's lead actor? A Saul Cohen D uh, sorry B David Cohen C Matt Cohen D Andy Cohen
2: <laughs> Can I just give you the last name? <laughs> give
0: me give me the last name and then also give me your the guess at the name. first name. This 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 game is such a troll and I'm so sorry.
2: I'll do I'll do C.
0: That is correct.
2: Yeah. I didn't think it was Andy or um Andy or uh, Michael Cohen and Saul <laughs> Cohen felt a little bit like little too much the, putting the finger <laughs> on the scale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, kidding. we are one to one. Peter, not to be outdone by Hallmark, Lifetime has also released an interfaith holiday movie this year. What is it called? A Gingerbread and Gelt, B Mistletoe and Menorahs, C Rudolph and Ruggala, D Blitzen and, and Blinces.
1: Oh, God, those are all so good. Thank you for writing those. <laughs> well, three out of four or whatever.
0: One of them is real.
1: <laughs> One of them is real. Uh, I,
2: been... <laughs> Sorry. Uh... Three of them could be real if there's <laughs> any people willing to finance movies or listen. Sorry. I know, what they, I know what
1: my answer is. Can you read them again?
0: Yes. <laughs> A, gingerbread and gelt. B, mistletoe and menorahs. C. Rudolph and Ruggala. D. Blitzen and Blintzes.
1: I'm gonna go with uh. I'm gonna go with mistletoe and menorahs. That is correct. Thank you. Uh, those were all so good. I needed to hear it again. <laughs> 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 were you really proud when you put like when you when you, when you finally wrote blintzes were you really proud I was like deeply proud <laughs> you should be deeply
0: deeply proud <laughs> okay alright um Aaron yeah what acclaimed LGBT film from the past decade features a character celebrating Hanukkah A Carol B call me by your name C, Tangerine. D, Weekend.
2: So I've seen two of these. I don't remember anyone celebrating in Tangerine or Call Me By Your Name. But Call Me By Your Name feels the most likely. But I haven't seen the other two, so what am I even saying? Like, it could have happened in two <laughs> movies I haven't seen. Yeah, so is it Call Me By Your Name? Yep. Okay.
0: Um, And we actually... So you guys are tied, and I do actually have a tiebreaker.
2: <laughs> Carrie's a professional game master. <laughs> like... <laughs>
0: You are two to two and I will I will read this question and give you your options and then tell me tell me what you think and that's how we'll go. Okay. What night of Hanukkah do we see Elio's family celebrating? And call me by your name. A, the first night, B, the third night, C, the fifth night, D, the seventh night. Peter, what's your guess?
1: Uh, seventh.
0: Aaron, what's your guess? Third? It is it is the seventh. Oh, yes. Peter wins. Yes. Thank I you for like indulging it, me.
1: It did feel like a culminating night for him.
0: Well, the eighth night was a yeah, culminating night. Yeah. Night. yeah.
1: yeah how Wait, so? You? What is it? Uh, uh, pan. Uh, what's what's the next to culminating?
2: The the penultimate
0: penultimate
1: pen pen, pen, pen culminating pen culminating.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. So that sounds like a this. sex thing. Culminating. That's what. That's what. That's what they do
0: with the peach in that movie.
1: thank you thank you carrie for writing that for us that was
2: that was excellent
0: thank you for indulging me
2: i thought it was really good next time if you could write it so that i can win it would be better
0: absolutely uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, aaron who's my special boy uh Uh, a uh, me (laughs) b me (laughs) 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 Uh, um, yeah but uh thank you so much carrie are you ready to get more into uh you know, for as much as the Sopranos got protested by different defamation leagues, <laughs> feels like they missed a much bigger target. And you guys want to start talking about the road to Christmas.
0: Absolutely.
2: Peter, your answer. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good. Dude. Good. I want to get everyone on the record that we're moving forward with the podcast.
1: <laughs> you've, received, you've received official sign off right. on the next stage of the podcast. <laughs> Aaron, do you have any alternate taglines
2: for The Road to Christmas? I do, Peter. A perfect film to make and watch if you want to just be a little racist. (laughs) Just a hint. Just a little dash of racism. It's more Uh, than a dash, let's be honest.
1: Well, it's this, this it's not... like when you try and it's this is like that gag that uh when you put uh napkins on the top of the paper towel hole, or the top of the salt shaker and when you go and shake it the whole fucking salt comes out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like here's the thing. It is that much salt in like a meal that's supposed to have a lot of salt. And what I mean by that, in case that analogy doesn't work, which it might not, is um they like picked a thing to be very very uh, consistently and obviously racist about that I think they felt that no one would care about. <laughs> um, they they, uh, they were like, it's 2006 and if you're Italian, we can make fun of you all we want. How, they're like, how do we be racist, but acceptably racist? And even though, to be very clear, our characters are New Yorkers, not Italians. They're um, I, I Chicago! Like, no, Don't
0: our guess-
2: characters... Oh, your characters. characters.
0: Oh, you're, they're oh, very yes. much New
2: Yorkers. That, Sometimes yes. that means that they sound Italian. But to be very clear, that's only because we're bad at accents <laughs> uh, and consistency, <laughs> not because we have anything to say negative about Italians. That's correct. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, my alternate unlike, tagline is... Unlike this is, movie
2: that wants them to die.
1: My alternate tagline is, uh, a country mouse and a city mouse had nothing in common except
2: racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh well ev- literally everyone in the countryside uh not just those two they could have a whole group marriage with everyone that hates italians it <laughs> encompass everyone that they met on their trip uh,
1: uh and then my other my other alternate tagline is it's not cheating if it's christmas
2: i'll, I'll throw in one more too uh the longest trip ever from omaha to to, to denver or whatever yeah <laughs> Like they're not that far. I feel, but they they keep throwing up obstacles that make them not be able to get there in a reasonable amount of, amount of time. And I kept being like, why didn't they just make the two places they had to go further away? Well, they Clark Gregg's car
0: is a piece of shit. It yeah, keeps why are they driving down? <laughs> Every few minutes,
2: it's like ah, oh, flat tire, ah, oh, spark plug, ah, oh, ran into a ditch. <laughs> Oh, dog's gone. It's ah! Like, like an automobile, if nothing that happened was funny, if they like... just and, and they kept going back to the same mode of transportation every time. What is he supposed to just buy a new car? I guess. I guess when it's your car, you don't have the option to to ditch it because it got set fire on the highway. Uh, but but uh, it is like the fact that he is so calm about everything. Like, he's like, oh! Like, he they just leave the city. He's like, oh, that, yeah, there's a flat tire. <laughs> I can change it. Not a big deal. He probably has, like, eight fucking spare tires in the back and a whole new engine. <laughs> like, I do this all the time. <laughs> Anyways, while well, I'm stealing a little bit of Peter's thunder. Go ahead, Peter. Uh, hit us with that sweet, sweet recap.
1: So, uh, the, the Road to Christmas is about a uh, fashion photographer, Jennifer Grey, who is dating uh, an Italian italian and uh he's, he's he's a stereotypical fancy italian man um as the looks movie like arnold is uh, very clear about um, does not look italian what he looks like arnold schwarzenegger he does right? look a little bit more like uh, austrian like, like uh vigo the carpathian's hot nephew yeah
2: than italian but maybe he's from northern italy do, do you think they had to dub everything they started it with being like against austrians and someone went you know they've had a rougher road <laughs> Make him italian. um but yeah anyway so she
1: has uh she has a, a fiance that's in uh, in uh denver and or aspen aspen she is going to travel to Aspen from Chicago to meet up with him so that they can get married on Christmas Eve. One of the worst ideas I've ever
2: heard. Um, in like a yeah, that's just hastily thrown together, yeah. yeah, a very like they're making plans on the cell ride up. Like I don't know, a mass ball.
0: <laughs> they like, pick had, the theme three days in advance.
2: Like
1: we had friends that got married on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and people were whining so uh I, Which they I, don't should. That, I don't think christmas eve is gonna really clear things up for anyone um anyways when the movie when we get to the end of the movie it, apparently she has no friends so it doesn't matter when she calls off the wedding uh <laughs> so, yeah, she doesn't she just leaves in yeah. theory
2: there were her family there friends relatives in theory college she spends the rest of christmas bridesmaid. Eve
1: calling all of those people telling them please turn around Go to go do something else, but come to my
2: not wedding. I don't think she said all that. She probably would have just called people and been like, "Well, he really is Italian," and they're like, well, <laughs> we, "We know what that means." They're like, "We didn't even get on the plane." <laughs> the whole world shares uh, this viewpoint. So, <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> I mean, no one thinks she should get married. Like, she talks to her friend at the 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 photography shoot at the beginning, and her friend's like. You're marrying that guy? Ooh, he's Italian. And she's like, but I love him. Like we we, we have a lot of fun together. Ooh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, this movie's like hands across America, but just for disliking Italians. <laughs> <laughs> um so Aaron, while we're talking about that really quickly, just to get it out of the way while we're talking about how racist this movie is, do we do we want to mention really quickly that when uh the her model friend is talking to Jennifer Gray and telling her not to trust an Italian um, that uh Jennifer Gray says, that's racist. That's like saying that black people
2: eat watermelon. Is that what she says? Yes. Well
0: then and then the model, who is a black woman, follows it up with, I do love watermelon. <laughs> it's so,
2: oh, bad. so this
0: movie's this movie's <clears throat> thesis is stereotypes are true. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs>
2: Because so people are saying this about Italians because they basically can't just sleep with one person, right? Like that is that is their that they are inherently that, promiscuous people or something. Yes, yeah, they just can't help themselves. So yeah, um, that turns out to be true in the context of this movie. <laughs> the only but twist that, is that there. I I somehow miss. I somehow missed that whole thing so my uh, my daughter Maya has been watching these uh, Hallmark type Christmas movies with me and like I started this one and I decided pretty quickly like maybe this one's not a good one for her so I was like sh- so during that conversation I like shuffled I I was like trying to find the remote to hit pause and just we'd do something else or something until it was time for her bed. So I must have missed that completely. But that is horrible.
0: Did you decide that? Because the entire opening scene is just a montage of, like, Victoria's Secret models in, like, Santa hats and halter tops?
2: That and, like, the first thing they started talking about was, like, sex when she came over, and it was like... Okay, like, it's fine. It's just, like, it's not the, it's not the, like, uh, it's not North Pole. Which, or Christmas, or or Christmas, Christmas Prince, Prince, which yeah. is,
1: like, less less for kids, but kid
2: appropriate. Oh, um, I mean, she made me watch Christmas Prince 3 with her. Like, she's like, you do not watch that without me. Oh. So, she was, she was into it. She had a ton of questions, though, because those are very complicated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she was like,
1: how does the economy
2: even work? So they're against unions, <laughs> but you told me capitalism was bad.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. After the uh, watermelon comment, which I can't stress enough, made me uh, clench up as if in yeah.
0: <laughs> as
2: if I had yeah, turned hor- to stone.
0: It's horrifying. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so- I somehow and
2: missed like the that part, and it's and horrifying th- to hear you guys say it. I thought. I honestly thought Peter was making a joke that was going to get cut out. <laughs> uh which I do make. I make
1: jokes that we cut, we cut out. Um but not on that level.
0: I No. I, I, I was will just, just like quickly I don't know where you're that going. When that when that moment happened, I wrote down like, "Oh my god, it's so fucked up that like this movie is comparing stereotyping Italians to stereotyping black people." And then by the end of the movie, I was like, you know what? I understand why they did that, because this movie definitely thinks that those things are on the same level. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and within the same I, I also scene. think that this movie's ending thinks it's being progressive, but we're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, <clears throat> it's not even t- 2006 progressive, to clarify. Um, I mean, I now
2: pronounce your Chuck and Larry thought it was being progressive, too. So, again, <laughs> great example of where we were at, uh, culturally, anyways, in 2006. God.
1: Um but yeah so uh, within that same scene it's not racism but within that same scene uh the model is talking uh, how she looks bloated or fat because she ate three olives or something and then um <laughs> jennifer Gray's responds to uh her her body dysmorphia uh is uh, you're a freak <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so okay so right, right off the bat right off the bat i learned that she's a fashion photographer oh awesome job that sounds so fucking cool you get to hang out with all these these cool people wearing cool clothes you get to your job is to create art and your job is to like make others art other people's art look good and then the movie is just like <laughs> but don't worry she's racist and hates
2: models <laughs> <laughs> well she takes a lot of people like the she first does. third of this movie is like stereotypes <laughs> like who she sits next to in the plane who picks her up in the yeah um. yeah so
1: uh right off the bat I don't like this character but that's not really plot that's uh, editorializing so we'll we'll get back to my strictly objective plot recap um <laughs> so she's uh she gets on the road uh to go to uh, Aspen to meet up with her fi- or her fiance. And uh the plane has after being an asshole about riding in coach, uh she's uh She's, uh, the plane gets diverted to Omaha, Nebraska. Then she's uh, rude to some poor people there. And then she uh, gets on a bus, which doesn't take her to where she needs to go. So she's rude to some poor people there. And then she meets up with Clark Gregg and her daughter, who has a strange fixation on her. She must possess her in one way, either mother or lover. The movie essentially just turns into a... A series of incidents uh that between clark greg and uh and uh jennifer gray where they uh like oh they she's just a she's a city mouse and he's a country mouse who has like simple pleasures and how are they gonna get along and then the daughter kind of brings them together in some ways the dog that she threatens to abandon so she could get to her dumb fucking wedding um (laughs) she she uh that they all bring them together. They eventually fall in love on the way to Clark Gregg and her daughters. Uh, Clark, Gregg, Clark Gregg and his daughters. They Clark Gregg and his daughter are heading to Clark Gregg's mother's house um, for Christmas. Uh, grandma's house. To grandma. Hey, to grandma's house. They go to grandmama. Um, like the Christmas thing. The whole the whole Christmas thing, and they're driving all the way across the country instead of flying. And so they're not can, driving
2: they're, Nebraska to Colorado is not across the country. That's this movie's problem. It's across a country. It's not across. It's like I'm gonna you. I'm gonna look up how far away. Don't, they are. They don't all, did, all they right, all
1: North start? Dakota. Don't give me your country colloquialisms. That that a whatever thirty hour drive is just a okay. Quick jaunt. North Dakota.
0: <laughs> they all they all started from Illinois though like they're they're driving started yeah. from Illinois.
1: Yeah, they're driving started from Illinois, which uh, Illinois oh. to Colorado is a is a thing.
2: Okay, that's a thing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. But
2: they but the part where they meet and they have to like extend that trip is Nebraska. Is, is Omaha. Okay, I'm going to look.
1: Yeah, this movie I'm just... this movie has a uh, a uh a very tenuous relationship with time. Um which all movies kind of do to some extent, but this but the the, the sequence where uh, they, she is driving, riding a bus and riding in the back of a redneck truck, uh, to, to get to where she's going. Seems to last as long as her entire, uh, meet cute dash bonding experience with, uh, Clark Gregg, even though that's clearly the so, point of the movie from when it starts.
2: So the time to get from Omaha to where they're going is a 10 hour car trip. Oh God. They, that's They nothing. take it. Th- yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It takes them three days. So. <laughs> That's what was so confusing about why didn't they start this in Illinois, where you would have to do an overnight and some others like, yeah, why did your
1: plane just get canceled altogether and then save the money on that stupid, unfunny plane sequence?
2: (laughs) Well, that's what I'm saying is that it is a relatively like it's a it's a trip you could do in a day easily, but they need those two to fall in love, right? So that's why it's like flat tire, (laughs) broken spark plug, lost dog. They wanted some hijinks they needed hijinks so that they would get to know each other and bond through yelling at each other. Um... (laughs) But that's also Uh, the planes, trains, and
1: automobile thing is like New York and Chicago are not that far apart, but when you can't rent a car, you your flight gets diverted somewhere out of the way. Like it's
2: all I guess the point is make it a little longer, not a trip that you could easily do in a day. No, I think the point is you make it funny and
1: interesting the way planes, trains, and automobiles did. Uh, Either option's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Because in that movie you don't ask like, oh man, when are they just gonna fucking get to Chicago? In this movie I'm like, when are they gonna fucking get to Colorado? So it could be. So it could well, did you. Kiss. Hold on.
2: Did you know they were in walking distance to is the grandma's house when they crashed? Absolutely I'm like, not.
1: Absolutely.
2: They, not. Okay. Sorry. We're getting ahead of ourselves. This movie's insane. Well, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um,.
1: Yeah, space and time are completely mutable around Christmas is what this movie has taught me. Uh, But yeah, so they they end up uh, making a, you know, a stop at grandma's house for the evening um, for the whole holiday for Clark Gregg and his daughter. But for for Jennifer Grey, just for the evening before the next morning, they get their broken down car uh, off uh, onto the road and they can and he can give them a, a quick ride up to Aspen.
2: They crash because she's trying to get cell signal, and he drives like a maniac in reverse until he plows into a ditch. Hold on. And then they don't try to push it out. He's like, no, it's fucked. Car's fucked. We can't do anything. I looked underneath it. It can't go. It's not a four-wheel drive truck. We're walking. When they pull up at Grandma's house, it seems like...
1: It seems like that was the plan the whole time was to crash into a tree. So they had to walk to grandma's. <laughs>
2: yeah, then it made then it made sense because apparently Clark Gregg is duplicitous. Yeah. But before it was like for a guy who like everything that happens, he's like, don't worry, got a spare alternator in the back. All of a sudden you're like are in a little pile of leaves and you're like, guard's done. Not going to
1: happen. Mm -hmm. um oh but yeah so they spend some time at grandmother's house it's mostly unpleasant uh i think the movie thinks it's pleasant but it's mostly unpleasant for our audience and uh clark Gregg says you know i'll drive you to your your uh i'll drive you to your wedding tomorrow and she is feeling hesitant because she's now in love with clark Gregg. they share a moment where they kiss and then they pull away and then the next morning um the three hop in the car to go drop her off in aspen and uh they discover that her italian lover is is sleeping around but with men and then we get a nice two minute scene where a daughter explains to her father not to be homophobic
2: <laughs> yeah that's the one good like i, I was like actually a little bit impressed where the other part though not so good
1: <laughs> so the wedding's off uh she's uh, she runs with clark Gregg. she goes to the grandma's house and they have a big fucking family christmas together because now they're in love or whatever
2: And I'm assuming one of them's abandoning either their city mouse life or their country (laughs) mouse life. Uh, But uh, we should also – I want to be very clear. The conversation that she has when she confronts her her fiancé is, well, we should call off the wedding because you're gay. And he goes, no, I'm not gay. And she goes, yes, you are. And he goes, huh, I've never thought of it (laughs) that way. I guess I'm gay. Okay. I've just <laughs> never said it out loud. That's the convert. Like, it's so what? Bad. <laughs> like, it's so, so bad. We I don't you probably didn't mention it because why get into everything? But like, it does allude in the middle of the movie, I guess, so that you can be OK with the kiss that happens later that she calls. They. F- she finally gets in touch with him at the when they're at the hotel. He's like, Do you think we're moving too fast? And she's like, I love you. And in the background, you see someone in the shower. Yeah. Right? Like, that's like by that perforated glass or whatever it's called they use. So it's supposed to be like a a big twist. Like, he's not just cheating. He's cheating with a dude. Ah! Um, duh, yeah, let's 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 just get that part out of the way. It clearly is in its own very poorly executed way trying to be somewhat progressive and I don't give the movie credit for it but it is what it's trying to do i think the the shock is that you're supposed to have as an audience member watching this in 2006 is oh my gosh i thought he was cheating with women yep. he's cheating with men i think the next thought you're supposed to have is that's worse what do you think do you think that's the next thought the movie's trying to set up no uh, I th- I I think the... I just think the point is...
1: well, Carrie, what do you think?
0: So, so I think that they couldn't have the twist be that he was having an affair of a woman because this movie is operating from the perspective that having him cheating in itself is not a twist. Because this movie so believes the idea that (laughs) men from Italy are going to fuck anything they come across, that the affair in and of itself cannot be the twist. So the twist has to be your expectation of who he's having the affair with, which is so fucked up.
2: (laughs) So exactly. And that's why I think you are supposed to think it's worse. Not because of that moment, but because of everything that preceded it, which is like Italian men will fuck anything. I think you're supposed to think, now maybe I'm wrong, because obviously the daughter speech is like, the exact line that you should take in in the way you approach these things. It is just like, I think you're supposed to be like, it's even, that's how depraved Italian men are. That's what I, I feel like the movie is saying in that moment.
0: I can see that. I think, I, I didn't read it in the moment as, I, I, I read it more as racist than homophobic because I was focused on the fact that, I was focused less on the fact that they made the twist the way that they did And more that the implication is that him having an affair was always just assumed. Okay, yeah, like my exact note is
2: the daughter at least gets it, but I'm skeptical the movie does. So I, I see, I see your point. I just, who knows, because it's executed so poorly.
0: (laughs) I also wrote down a direct quote that Jennifer Grey has in that scene, which is after she catches him in bed with the guy, I think he's like the wedding planner or something. Um, yeah. After she catches them in bed together and they're fighting in the foyer, what she says to him is, you lying, cheating, two-faced, dot, 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 Italian. <laughs> so it's the yeah. Italian, that's the part that the movie wants to hit home and the gay is like, but we're progressive because we're showing you that, you know, Italians it's okay to come women. out. Yeah, and there are Italians of all kinds that fuck all kinds of people. It's like, it, yeah,
2: I don't know why he couldn't just Italian. be bisexual.
0: Frankly, Italians yeah, that that was my straight, question too. Like, gay. it felt
2: like the movie wasn't ready to like just be like, oh yeah, I'm bisexual, because maybe that then left an opening for them to still stay together in some capacity.
0: I thought that's like, where it was going when she I did said, too. when she said you're gay, and he said, well, I wouldn't say I'm gay. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna come out as bi," and then they yeah. walk that back two two lines later.
2: <laughs> yeah, with just her asking it again or exactly. saying it again. No, he's you like, aren't. Oh,
0: fine. Oh, you got yeah, me. No, I am.
2: It's like that character in Austin Powers that Will Ferrell plays. That it, like, if you ask him the same question three times, <laughs> that he has to answer it on the third time. It's like <laughs> if, if, if you say that he's gay three times, he's finally like, "Oh shit, no, I'm gay." Whoa, crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it. So this is coming from someone who likes to have their cake and eat it, too, a lot. So uh, believe me when I say it, this is the movie having its cake and eat it, too. They want to have a uh, gross homophobic joke and then a minute later uh, try and pretend like the joke wasn't homophobic. Yeah. And it's it's hard to recognize in 2006 but in 2019, it's very easy to recognize because it's uh, someone making a bad tweet and then later being like, oh, but actually I was being subversive.
0: Yeah, I see that.
2: Yeah, because the progressive part would be like, Italians can cheat with anyone, right? But yeah. like- <laughs> Italians, yeah. n- noted perverts, yeah. can sleep noted with whoever perverts, they want. Like, In this day and age, they can cheat with anyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but also- They've also established Italian men are bad. So it, it, yeah, it's, uh, but let's, let's talk more about the Italian. I would say
1: there, the only saving grace I would say there is that there is a weird moment where there's like a sort of, um, intimacy between the two as she's like (laughs) grabbing his hand and yanking him out of the closet. I know it's like not, not her place to, decide what he is and put a label on it but also that was you know our view of what being gay was in 2006 and bisexuals didn't exist in 2006 to, according to most media so um we could we just couldn't sort it how how can they exist um but the i think that it's it's the movie uh trying to yeah it's, it's trying to have its cake and eat it too there's a weird moment of intimacy where she's like bringing him out of the closet oh she's not quite forgiving him but she's basically saying like yeah just like admit who admit what you are but it's yeah it's in the context of um his gayness being a big a big shocker um at best i could see it being a uh written by lifetime folks who are used to writing movies with big salacious twists um Mm -hmm. they come from like a melodrama background uh where uh And Antonio was gay the whole time like that, that sort of background. But that doesn't make it any more uh, okay. It's just I'm trying to like figure out what the context that it lives in, I think, is also important because Lifetime movies are full of the twists like this.
0: Yeah. The The
1: non-Christmas Lifetime movies, usually.
0: (laughs) The moment that you're thinking of, I feel like works largely because, and this is one of the good things I'll say about this movie, is that. The cast generally has a lot of good chemistry together. Yep. So all of the all of the like big moment scenes play really well because the actors are all like pretty seasoned and know how to pl- know how to work against each other. Well,
2: and thankfully, Jennifer Grey and Clark Gregg can play in love.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Watching this, I wasn't surprised why this was rated highly. Mm-hmm. um on those lists because Clark Gregg and Jennifer Grey are good actors right so um they're good actors in everything so i'm not surprised that they even delivering bad lines or being a little bit too cornball especially like Clark Gregg when he's like he does this weird thing sometimes throughout the movie where he's like trying to play a little bit bumpkin too much where he's like moves around a lot and like breeze heavily it's a little odd i don't know if you guys know what i'm describing.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah
2: yeah uh I, I don't know what he's going for they are very good together and uh let's talk a little bit about that so uh carrie you picked this movie because jennifer gray was oh, yes. the star jennifer gray of course if you don't know famous uh for movies like uh ferris bueller's day off uh dirty dancing being a shotgun in the car where matthew Broderick killed those people um
0: and red dawn
2: and red dawn i haven't seen red dawn i just oh, wanted really? the really i wanted the matthew broderick joke uh because apparently this is the uh this is the month where we accuse everyone of murder
0: well the matthew uh, broderick thing is really relevant because i it is my my theory i don't know if this is everyone's theory but my theory is that's the thing that kind of fucked up her career
2: well she, and she would say it was the the nose job
0: yeah but Which, she... to be fair,
2: I
1: had to exp- I, I had to explain to my wife that who's seen Ferris Bueller and Dirty Dancing and and probably Red Dawn. Also, I had to explain who she was, and she was like, she doesn't look anything like her. So it might be a little column A, a little column B.
0: Yeah. But that yeah, it, that incident, like, had a way it's, it seemed to me has a way had a way bigger effect on her career than it had on his, which is
2: true. Well, and she, she, yeah. And she wrote about having survivor's guilt and like, yeah, th- I'm sure that's an amazingly like, I don't know exactly what happened, but obviously, like, he was Matthew Broderick was drunk driving. He got into an accident. He ended up paying a $150 traffic fine. Like the who two knows- people
0: in the other car died.
2: Yes. Um, and he hit them head on. And you have a time when Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Gray are two of the more famous people. I think it was right before Dirty Dancing came out. Yeah. So you're talking about like 1986. So Ferris Bueller's out. Dirty Dancing's about to come out. Can you imagine the amount of people like having just watched Succession and like the cover up that occurred there to make sure that his son was okay in a spoilers for Succession? Uh, succession i'm assuming there was a little bit of that too where like people tried to make sure they were okay like from a publicity standpoint and so i'm sure there was a lot of gross stuff that happened that uh jennifer gray talks about when she talks about survivor's guilt um, on top of just the guilt of like being in a car where you've crashed and two people are dead yeah Uh, so she in the 90s She ended up getting two nose jobs that she talks about openly. I'm not trying to like it's and she says that she walked in to surgery, uh, a star and came out anonymous. And it actually is from where I know Jennifer Grey first. Um, I don't know. You guys may have read about it, uh, but I watched it when it was on TV, which was a sitcom called It's Like You Know.
0: I remember that. Yeah.
2: Which was... uh, marketed as the Seinfeld for L.A., like a show about nothing. Mm -hmm. And it starred Jennifer Grey as herself and her character having trouble getting work because no one recognized her anymore. And the show is kind of populated with jokes about, like, no, you're not Jennifer Grey. So, uh, Carrie, when we gave you the options first to join us this month, you picked this one because of Jennifer Grey. Do you want to talk a little bit about why that is
0: oh i would love to dirty dancing is one of my all-time favorite movies it is one of the movies that i still love today that i have loved for the longest time i can't even tell you when the first time i watched it because i feel like it's always been with me and it's one of those movies that had my relationship with it has evolved as i've gotten older and you know the political implications of it and the abortion and all of that stuff is, and the classism, all of that has come a lot later, but it was always just a beautiful love story that with amazing dancing that I loved, you know, forever. And Jennifer Gray, when you're growing up Jewish and there are not a lot of like big Jewish actresses out there, like she's one of the people you look to in like the Barbra Streisand category of like, these are women who in, in their, you know, most famous roles, like look Jewish, you know, that's a bad stereotype, but like, it's, it's also a thing that's real and it's a thing that matters. It's a type of representation that's important. And so not only was she amazing in her early work and in her more current work, um, she also was giving Jewish girls a type of representation that was kind of hard to find. Um, so I have felt very attached to her for a very long time. And the nose job thing is, it's very complicated because it totally changed her career. It totally changed her image. And it was Kind of a way for her to get away from the more Jewish ethnic appearance that now she looks a lot more generic and whatever, and it's fine, she's gorgeous. But that bit that made her who she was is gone. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because watching the movie, I was like, God, I know that's her, and it doesn't look like her at all. But you can still... You you know it's her in the voice. Her voice yeah. is still so specific. And there's one... I think it's the scene where, where she first meets up with Clark Gregg when they're at the road stop. And uh, she's totally flustered and trying to convince him to let her come along. And she's like just just saying anything that comes to her head on the verge of tears, completely like losing her mind. And like that's when I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is Jennifer Gray. This sounds like all of her completely impassioned monologues that she has in Dirty Dancing when she's trying to convince her father that yeah. it's totally okay that she's helping this other girl get an abortion. Like it, it she's she's someone who has meant a lot to me throughout my life. And I was curious, since I haven't watched a lot of her more recent work, I didn't really know what it would be like to watch her now. And it was kind of amazing to see that she really is still her.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Uh, She has a sort of, like uh it's not a stutter but she has a sort of like staccato way of talking it's not yeah not Christopher Walken either um but she has a sort of uh staccato way of talking then when especially when she's flustered and trying to do a comedy bit that's like still very funny like it's just like it's how she how she processes uh her line readings and it is like you're like oh my oh my god like that is that's her um because I think like when I first started watching the movie I was like Jennifer Grey and it took me a minute took me a minute and then she and then I, you know, there was like models dancing around or whatever. And I like my brain had moved on. And then she started talking and I was like, oh, that Jennifer Grey got it. Because like I didn't grow up with a particular attachment to her. I mostly heard about her her uh, later um, and sort of her very like very strange Hollywood story. Um, and and also the story like that I've heard is like there's this weird reaction to plastic surgery and uh, women getting any work done or women leaning into more traditional, um, you know, uh, feminine like be- beauty products or getting into athleticism. It's like it's a very complicated thing because in some sense it's like, oh, yeah, women are under fucking insane duress to uh, perform to this patriarchal standard. Uh, but then also we get to give women shit for changing Their physical appearances to match a certain, you know, uh, namely, well, you know, traditional, uh, what is it like a waspy sort of vision of beauty, um, and uh, so it's it's a very complicated – it's a very complicated thing because for years I had heard it is sort of like a horror story of, uh, of you know, why you shouldn't get surgery. But, like, I never thought about it as, like and, – and not saying that you're saying any of this. But I had never thought about it as, like, oh, well, she was dis- – she had a distinctly, uh, you know, Jewish appeal. But, like, by getting the surgery, it sort of – She didn't look as much like uh, the people that had idolized her as children or as adults.
0: I kind of think that's part of it. I mean, obviously, Dirty Dancing was... Obviously, Ferris Bueller was a big hit. And Dirty Dancing was a way bigger success than anyone thought it would be. So she was a huge star at that moment. And so she must have had fans from a variety of backgrounds. But... She meant something really specific to a very specific group of girls, and it changed when she changed. Like, you know, I, 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 a lot of Jewish girls grow up thinking about, like, Barbara Streisand as this idol who, you know, she wouldn't get a nose job. She was someone who refused to change her appearance to meet specific uh american standards and sh- and that was that is that was held up as a good thing so then Jennifer Grey is kind of the opposite of that but i don't know the reasons that she got her nose job she may have had you know completely like valid reasons for wanting to do it and she's still gorgeous now like and also it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what she looks like it just matters that she's still an incredible actress but that detail does change a lot of things and it's it's weird it's weird to think about it that way but it's true
1: but yeah i always thought about it in more of like the i always thought about more as the like yeah there's there's one standard of beauty and the closer you get to that the prettier you are and the further away from it you you you're not pretty this weird gross patriarchal vision of beauty um white uh white christian (coughs) patriarchal vision of beauty i should say um and uh, I had never thought about it from that perspective that, like, yeah, it's just people recognize, like, to recognize themselves in certain stars.
0: Yeah.
2: It's also worth noting, like, so she did have to have two because I guess the first one went wrong and they had to correct it. Oh, God. Which she talks about, like, so, like, went very horribly wrong Um, in the mid-90s. But, like, I don't. She hasn't mentioned any – and I'm basing everything I'm saying here on the interviews I read about this Mm -hmm. because, like I said, the last thing I want to do, I know there's a lot going on uh, from a lot of different angles uh, based on everything that both Peter and Carrie said. But it is worth noting – I don't know if this had anything to do with the reason, so setting that aside – but I will say just indicting the way Hollywood decided to use Jennifer Gray. After Dirty Dancing, so she's in Ferris Bueller in 86, does Dirty Dancing in 87. Huge hit. Normally you would think she would be in another movie after that. Uh, They sure were producing a lot of uh, romantic comedies and romance, like a ton of things even in like that, oh, this person's in romance movies, let's put her in a bunch of those that they, they do to a lot of women who have a hit in that genre. But no, she's in a movie I've never heard of the next two years after Dirty Dancing, called bloodhounds of broadway which is an ensemble period comedy with like matt Dillon, and then she does in 1990 to 1992 five tv movies in a row wow and the next theatrical thing she does is something called wind which is with matthew modine not exactly like big stars so already like she has two hits in a row one of them, she's more of a minor character, but is still very memorable. And the second one is like basically the her and Patrick Swayze show. Patrick Swayze becomes a huge monster actor and kind of continues that trajectory, and essentially has an A list career through the at the very least the mid to late nineties in Hollywood. And Jennifer uh, Grey ends up doing nothing.
0: Was point after. Was Point Break before or after Dirty Dancing?
2: Uh, point Break was after.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, I uh, I think I'm going to look just really quick. Roadhouse is before. Okay. Um, but, like, Patrick Swayze was. I mean, this is like post. This is what makes him into that, like, pop culture icon. Yeah, because you. Yeah, before this, he's in Red Dawn 2. He's in The Outsiders and Youngblood. But then after. No, after, so after this is uh, Roadhouse, Next Akin, Ghost, Point Break, The Player. Uh, and then he's in, like, some stuff that starts going from, like, A-list to – he's still, like, headlining movies, but they're not as popular, like, Fatherhood, Tall Tale, Two Wong Fu, Three Wishes, and Black Dog. And then he starts being in, like, you know, stuff like uh, Bit Characters in Donnie Darko in the early 2000s. But, like, all – most of his iconic roles are, are, like, him capitalizing on Dirty Dancing. Yeah. So, at the same time that Point Break is being released and fucking Roadhouse in 89 – like, Jennifer Grey is filming TV movies. So, I mean, That's that so speaks fucked. a lot. It is so fucked. So, regardless if any of that had to do with, like, again, separating that, it is, like, speaks to what Peter was saying about, like, how shitty the system as a whole is. Like, when you watch Dirty Dancing, which uh, I watched because of Carrie's urging for the first time a couple years ago and loved it, you think of both of them as being... Amazing and integral and like the idea that Hollywood was like, Patrick Swayze, you're our star. Uh Jennifer Gray can probably do an ABC movie of the week is insane.
0: And you especially think of her because she's the entry point as the viewer. Yeah. She's she's the lead.
2: Yeah. If you were doing Academy Award nominations, Swayze would be best supporting, right? And she's clearly the lead.
0: She is clearly the lead. Yeah.
2: yeah. So depressing. I didn't realize that it was like that divergent that quickly from like a star making performance like you think she would have one or two at the very least high profile flops yeah but nope off to tv movie land um anyway depressing i so can we talk about something else that's very depressing yeah, uh, yeah. so their one fun stop is the hubcap museum Mm -hmm. oh yeah my favorite character in this movie is the extra in the so the hubcap museum is about the size of like your typical tires plus Mm -hmm. i don't know if they just like used a tires plus but it is uh very very small which makes sense because i mean how much room do you have to devote to hubcaps that are just literally hubcaps hanging on two very small walls with the names of where the cars that they came from there's an extra in the background Of that scene who is a lifetime original movie level extra and B they told him to be super confused by the concept of hubcaps (laughs) because he is in the background of every scene arms on his hips making like the most over exaggerated like what is this (laughs) face over and over in the background and I felt like. They should stop their cute what what car is this from banter and go see if he's like recently had some major head trauma because he is walking around the backwards like, where am I? What is this? this is Like, it is so good. And if you have you still have your seven day free pass to Lifetime original channel uh, movies, which I'm sure is how we all watched it. uh, I would go back fast forward to that scene and watch that guy. Because he is just, like, it's like he's fucking at the, the Louvre. Like, just, what is going on? They just go round and <laughs> around, don't they? Yeah. he uh, I, There's a couple moments like that. One of the fun of these made-for-TV movies is, like, the extras don't quite know how to, like, play emotions low-key. Um, but that one was so... Amazing and obvious and consistent, and it's great.
0: I and have to go back and watch that.
2: He's my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> the road to Christmas for him stopped at the Hubcat Museum.
0: <laughs> it's, I I, it's I thought
2: Christmas. That,
0: I thought that was also a fun scene where the movie was trying to be like, see how progressive we are, because she knows more about cars than he does.
2: But she doesn't. She, she does. got that from no, because her daughter whispers where the car's from.
0: Oh, I missed and that. And mouths it yeah
1: you're hinting at at something that happens when you're watching this movie and that it has a sort of doping effect on the brain (laughs) it
0: does and
1: and that like it's very easy to miss key details in a scene that's communicating nothing like a a scene can be communicating like one or two things Uh, nothing thematic purely just information for you to operate within the scene and then you're brain just refuses to grab onto the information it's just like
0: so is the actual message from the scene that the daughter is really good at reading
1: the actual message of the scene is that the daughter wants the them to hook up right yeah because
2: that's that's her mom's soulmate
0: can we talk about the daughter (laughs) yeah let's talk about the
2: daughter and the fact that yeah this is her mom's soulmate the first mom assuming her birth mom the movie never clarifies for sure, so I don't want to make assumptions. Was like her was her intermediary mom to the mom of her dreams,
0: <laughs> but she's really sad about her mom being dead, which is legit.
2: Yeah, she's you definitely know. sad about it. She's but definitely also, sad about it. What do you think? What emotion do they communicate more? In love with new mom or sad about old mom?
0: Oh, definitely in love with new mom. <laughs>
2: Not saying it's not a valid emotion she has, it's just, it's, it's out on the scale of emotions. She's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> one of us will have you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I assume, based on the way she looks at her over and over in the first few scenes, if her mom was still present in the car, it would not change her daughter's place in the story is trying to get Clark Gregg to hook up with uh, this new person.
0: Yeah. So to, clar- cl- to clarify, because I don't think we made this part clear yet. <laughs> no. They run into each other at Eight several times. different parts before they actually meet at the truck stop. They, I think the first one is in Chicago still. Yeah. And the daughter. Right when she gets
2: out of the fashion um, yeah. photography scene, shoot.
0: Yeah it's, 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 yeah, it's that early in the movie. Jennifer Grey is walking out of her chute, and uh, the daughter is in the passenger seat of the car, and they make eye contact. And it's this like kind of nice moment between these two women who are just like, hello. And then there's another scene where they make eye contact again elsewhere on the road, and then a scene where they make eye contact yet again. And that's when Jennifer Grey is like, that was really weird. But the daughter is definitely the one initiating the staring.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. She's staring at the window, just kind of absentmindedly, and then she selects Jennifer Gray as the target of her affections.
2: Yes, like the fact that a Michael Bolton song didn't come on each time was surprising. It? <laughs> it, it How was do that- I live? <laughs>
1: It is yeah. that level of of, it is. of of intimate, and the first t- the first time Jennifer Gray looks kind of uh, apprehensive, and then each successive time she's like, "Hey, I knew you." Like do it's, you
0: it's, do you guys know the weird. musical Fun Home?
2: Uh, no, heard it's, of it.
0: It's it's ba- based on the graphic novel by Alison Bechdel, but there's a song in it called "Ring of Keys," where little Alison Bechdel is in a diner and sees this butch lesbian come in, and it's a song about her seeing this person, and she's like, I know you, you're me, you're like, you know, you're the kind of person that I want to be, and I'm, like, obsessed with you now. And I... Whenever I see, like, a queer awakening moment in movies, I'm like, oh, that's (laughs) her Ring of Keys moment. This is definitely Hilly's Ring of Key moments.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, it is, like... It's like... They wrote the script to have Clark, because in any other movie it would be Clark Gregg, right? Like, yeah, seeing having the same facial expression, the same everything slows down, the same like mouth agape, and then they eventually like recognize each other to the point where he offers her a ride because he's seen her and this feels like destiny. And it's like they had that in the script, and Clark Gregg is like, "I'm not doing that shit," and they're like, "Well." We're not going to rewrite the script. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess, what if your daughter does it? They're, like, oh, okay, yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> like, as Carrie said, it sounds like we're exaggerating. We're not. And the first time was weird, and then it just keeps going. <laughs> Every time. So, so, okay, so these movies typically have
1: uh, a daughter who is... Uh, it's, it's a common thing in both Christmas movies and the Lifetime Hallmark Netflix canon that there's a little girl who just needs a mom um she has a dead mom in this as we've i think we mentioned earlier how these movies work um so uh they need the the way is cleared for jennifer gray he's a single dad he only cares about his daughter and fixing his truck i don't know there's a thing that happens in these movies where because of the audience they're going for they want there to be a sort of like a magnetism to a, a nuclear family <laughs> like they want like oh well he's a single father he's got uh you know a, a daughter and they're, they're happy they're nice people he deserves to have a wife like this hetero this heteronormative function needs to be fulfilled um there needs to be a cut co- like he can't just be a single father and be happy and dating other people or whatever like he needs to have Uh, there needs to be a new mommy in there too. So what they're trying to do is like really quickly force in chemistry between the daughter and uh, the mom, sorry, the daughter and the soon to be mom, Jennifer Gray. But they don't really know how to do that from afar. And they don't realize they don't need to do that. There's a million ways to do this. You could also have a version of this movie where Clark, Gregg and, and Jennifer Grey are, you know, they have that sort of Michael Bolton attraction. But then the daughter is, like, standing in the middle, like, you don't know this. She's
2: annoying. Oh, that's <laughs> she a good is call. call. Like, they, they yeah. need they need the daughter to be, like, bought in immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they, 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 she could be a point of friction. But these
1: movies are largely about reducing friction. So they instead choose to have, yeah, the daughter buy in immediately.
2: Um, Can we also just, in that scene where they finally things connect she gets thrown out of her i don't know what that is the weird
0: the van thing uh,
2: the van thing the moving van with uh i don't know like a militia in it but like (laughs) that's the only
1: subversive thing they do is to have she thinks that the the uh southeast asian guy is going to you know drive some sort of Indian or Pakistani vehicle, I don't know. <laughs> fill in your racist thing. Um if, if they think that it's going to be that and then
2: uh instead he's like a member of a redneck militia <laughs> and yeah. he's st- he's still super friendly but in a weird way and then everyone else is like she's like hey can you not smoke? I'm allergic and they're like even though we're in a literally, there's not a window because we're back in a moving van, and we're gonna stop in three minutes. Uh, I'm gonna. Everyone else is gonna light up their smokes
0: aggressively, smoke in front of her. Yeah, but at first uh,
2: they're just sitting quietly and being weird, and
1: then she starts to make fun of all their names, and then yeah. eventually they smoke her out of the truck and abandon
2: her because yeah, no, no winners in that confrontation. I think from a who was worse to who, no, <laughs> because. Uh, yeah, there's a guy named Tiny, and the joke is he's not tiny, and um, Jennifer Grey is like, Oh, that's weird, huh? But, but that's because because you're not tiny. And he's like, what? What do you mean? And then, a- having an awkward moment, and she finds out the next guy's name is Cootie, and is like, you know what? I have no other cards in the deck. I'm going to make fun of his name, too, the same way. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very odd scene. So anyways, they throw all of her stuff out of the moving truck and it's right in front of Clark, Greg and his daughter and their dog. And it goes all over the road and you, you – the camera goes to her and all of her suitcases and, and luggage everywhere. And then it cuts to Clark, Greg and his daughter. And one thing I love about made for TV movies is that they have obvious stops for commercial. Mm -hmm. So when it goes to them, those three, and I say three, including the dog, are all just staring at her for a long extended period of time. Because you as an audience member are supposed to get the, um, oh, they finally connected. Can't wait till after the break to see what happens next. But in the movie's world... All this stuff has happened. she looks directly at them, and they just stare at her in an uncomfortable silence for about ten to fifteen seconds <laughs> <laughs> and like no one says anything and then of course, you cut back from commercial and it cuts right to what's going on? what happened like they're talking, but uh yeah, it's great because in the in that movie's universe, uh they probably looked like equally scary as the militia, <laughs> like are they gonna eat me like they they have. They have no emotions on their face and are and they're just staring at me. But she
0: recognizes her stepdaughter lover.
2: She does. She's so like, so
0: that must give her some comfort.
2: Oh yeah, this is the this is the person who uh, is either going to put me in jail or make me a mom. <laughs> oh no! Um, <laughs>
1: oh no! Um, yeah, there's a there's there's, a, there's just a very strange energy to this movie that is full of... uh It's a movie about a real-life couple falling in love on screen. So, like, it should be... The chemistry should be easy, and yet they just kind of jam in this other shit. They, they don't really know how to... I think maybe the problem is, is, even though it's Lifetime, they don't know how to make, like, a... They have the understandable problem. They're having a hard time bonding an eighth grader with
2: a... Fifty-year-old woman. Well, I'm surprised she wasn't more into the fashion because at first that's what I thought. Yeah, that's like, a, that's a common that, point to make. That she like she saw a successful woman come out of maybe like a fashion, like a some studio that she's aware of, and she's like, "That's who I want to be when I grow up." That's where I thought the movie was going, and then it never really does that. And instead, it's like, "Oh, the country pumpkin likes knows photographers' names." So that would have made more sense. That, that would have made the initial I just died in your arms tonight music cue meeting make more sense. But the movie never really goes there.
0: I think you know? it's, I think it's half a mom thing and half a gay thing. It's a mom thing in the sense that, like, she misses her mom. She wants a new mom. And that's, like, such a Christmas movie kind of thing is, like, I yeah. want this thing that I can't buy at a store. You know, what can I get from the universe in this moment that will, like, make my Christmas? But it also feels really gay and sapphic. (laughs) And, like, there's no direct textual evidence to tell me this other than the swoony moments when they catch each other's gaze. But, come on. I don't think that she's necessarily sexualizing motherhood. I think that no. she's at the same time <laughs> wanting a mom and also being kind of attracted to this gorgeous woman. Yeah. These are two things yeah. happening at the same time.
2: As Peter was saying, like, the, the reason why these movies exist is A, people want to watch more Christmas movies. But B, usually when movies are made, they try to come up with some level of a, an original hook or an angle. Mm-hmm. Like, even though there's a ton of, say, romantic comedies, you rarely just see, like, like couple goes on the road and, like, hit some relatively mild stops. Like, and that's why, like, you have these really high concept romantic comedies, especially in the last, like, 20, 25 years, just because you need some twist on the formula. Yeah. Because you need something to make it original. And, like, one of the things about, like, the made-for-TV type movies is that... What if you don't? What if you can just write a movie that's not necessarily like a copy of anything but doesn't bring anything all that original to a st- – like there's – that. that's – I think that's why we've watched four now. I don't know, Carrie, what your experience was with these in general before. We didn't really get to that at the beginning. But my experience is these four movies and now A Christmas Prince 3. We'll see if that bonus episode is released by the time uh, this comes out. But and I do just kind of feel like even the one like I I feel like North Pole was the most entertaining to watch for me. As we said in that episode, like if you want to watch North Pole, watch the Santa Claus and watch and watch Elf. And you've seen all the eat, quote unquote best parts of those movies of 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 North Pole and much better movies to begin with. Like and I feel like that's true here. Like unless you're just looking for new Christmas content, two people falling in love at Christmas and a Christmas trip home has been done a million times better, all the way back to the
0: 30s. Yeah. Like I've seen a fair I'm not gonna say I've seen a lot of these movies, but I've seen a fair amount of them. Uh, Particularly because uh, the friends who I spend Thanksgiving with, our tradition has become watching one or two of these types of movies at Thanksgiving as kind of our like, you know, we have we have our Thanksgiving dinner and this is now our entry into Christmas kind of the Christmas season kind of thing. The genre is just so hit or miss. And there are definitely a fair amount that are just straight up bad. This isn't one that I would say is bad. Yeah. It's, I I think it's actually pretty good for, for what it is. I think part of it is that it came early enough in the genre of this specific type of Christmas movie that, yeah, a road movie in this context is kind of unique. And they had enough other elements to it with, you know, the European stuff and the fashion (laughs) stuff and, like, the fact that they're bonding over art and the fact that there's a daughter and the daughter stuff is involved. Like, there's enough stuff happening in this movie that it feels fresh. Yeah. And again, I really do think that the reason why this movie works at all is because of the cast. The cast is so... Above the level of what these movies tend to be um the movie i brought up earlier hitch for the holidays with uh emily hampshire and joey lawrence is also actually pretty good because those two it's actors good, are pretty yeah. good actors and, well, and that
2: was kind of our thing on north pole yeah. like the two act the two main actors are are good actors or at least good like tv sitcom level good actors Exactly. I do think some of it is just, oh, do you want to see your favorite stars either before they were famous or after they were famous, for lack of a better term? Uh, Those are going to be the movies you tend to gravitate towards because you like seeing certain people. Um, Exactly. Either again. So, but yeah, I do like, and I understand Bill kind of set up this month who, uh, uh, Bill Fox, who's our guest on the Christmas Prince episodes, helped originate this, us doing it this month. As we kind of get into final thoughts here, I do think, like, I understand his perception is just like, I put him on the background, I like Christmas, I don't have to pay attention, it's just like, something to watch while I'm either doing other things, or to get into the Christmas spirit. For me, even though, like, these were, like, fine to watch, I do think this is actually a really good example of, like, where sometimes they can be a little frustrating, because there was definitely some troubling aspects in North Pole, and the Christmas Prince movies, for that matter, Their highest highs are like, okay, romantic chemistry or like a somewhat charming Christmas moment, but their lowest lows are like, especially when you're dealing with the script writers that use like, uh, one dimensional or stereotypes to communicate characters. I just feel like it's more apt to have not just like one troubling component, but tons of troubling components. Like you list all the things in this movie and it's like racism, homophobia, body shaming. Like it just feels like the best they can succeed is that was fine. And the worst they can succeed is like, or the the worst that they can do is kind of a lot of lazy stuff that ends up being troubling to watch.
0: Yeah, I feel like the most successful ones are the ones that are just the weirdest they can be. Yeah. Like, I. The other one I watched at Thanksgiving this year was the new Vanessa Hudgens one, uh, The Night Before Christmas, (laughs) where. Where Ohio. Damn mildly interested. Ohio school teacher Vanessa Hudgens uh, falls in love with a medieval knight. And that one I thought was a freaking blast because it's just. Every aspect of that movie is just so strange that. It's just like a fun oddity to experience.
2: Well, and that's kind of what you wish from these, right? Like, yeah, they don't have they don't have to blow anything out of the park, right? Like, so in theory, that should be have more examples of them being uh, willing to take risks with oddball things that would never be funded by a major studio. But yeah, Netflix will give you three million dollars to make it. Because yeah. it'll say Christmas in the title and do certain things. And I do like I, I am kind of excited to see that. I may watch that with my daughter. It's it's really fun. <laughs> and uh, like something like the Christmas Chronicles that Netflix did, which doesn't quite fit into this genre, but feels like, hey, you know, it'd be fun. Kurt Russell at Santa Claus. We can make that for four million dollars. We'll put it on the front page of Netflix and it'll be worth money. It feels like because there's such an appetite for these, there should be more examples of weird oddball stuff on purpose as opposed to like the the laughs that you get from uh incompetence whether it's at the directing screenwriting story creation uh understanding of politics in uh, <laughs> christmas prints and other things so like yeah i'm not condemning them or i'm not trying to make like a big like after watching these i think they're bad i just like i think watching a couple of them is was good for me but i don't Again, this doesn't seem like something after watching all these that I'm going to be like, every year I'm going to try to get in a few Hallmark or Lifetime stuff. And I, again, not trying to judge anyone that gets it. I get the pleasures from it. Um, It just, I don't know. This one and North Pole were easier for me to watch than those Christmas Prince movies, which were like truly, truly slogs. I can't help but think, and I know this might seem reductive, why would I watch this when I can watch... Uh, just a just an actual Christmas classic because yeah. I don't have that much time to watch Christmas movies anyway. Yeah, like sure, there's a lot of good ones, but you, I, I don't, I'm one of those people that usually only watches them between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't have that much time. Why am I spending time watching this instead of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or It's a Wonderful Life or uh, Elf or Home? Like you know, I don't know. And I think I like I also recognize that like some of this is like self selecting like. I chose random lists on the internet to pick the best of. So, the criteria of those people making those lists may not be the same criteria. Yeah, that, like, that if Carrie or someone from the Dissolve sat down and said, actually, i watched a ton of these, here's what you should watch, here's what's worthwhile. So, that um i'm not like there are literally hundreds and hundreds of these and reading some of the titles and the concepts did make me laugh yeah in some cases so i'm not surprised to hear that there's ones like the the what is it called menorahs and um
0: mistletoe and menorahs
2: mistletoe and menorah um of course they didn't put menorah first i'm very sorry (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, I'm I'm not surprised to hear, and I'm glad to hear, that there are worthwhile ones. And yeah, stuff like The Night Before Christmas sounds uh, ridiculous and something that is fun and goofy and can sit as like, this will be a fun new watch for me.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think the crime with the Hallmark Lifetime uh, and Netflix movies is that they... Uh, I don't think the crime is that they have low budgets or that they're too schmaltzy or too sentimental or whatever. Uh, I think the real crime for me is uh, a lack of uh, imagination with how it connects with the holiday season mm-hmm. um, and what the holiday season actually means. So, mm-hmm. and they, and yeah. by, by leaning into sort of these tried and true stereotypical markers of what makes the holiday season, they're really cheating themselves very often, not all the time, but very often they're cheating themselves by not actually committing to what the season is really about um, or could be about. In a way that you could be emotionally connected to this time at the end of the year, which could be a time of reflection, um, it could be a time of giving, a time of charity, It could be a time of a time of hope. Um, instead, it's all it's a it could be about those things, but it's all this like surface level bullshit that doesn't let you actually engage with the fact that these are real characters. And yeah, and some and in some of them are the... very good at that. Some of them are very good at that, but it's more I'm more my problem is not my problem with the movies so far this month has not been that they. That they uh, are cheesy or schmaltzy. It's that they re- they lean too heavily on Christmas trees and Christmas cookies and garland and gingerbread yeah. men and, and all that shit. When really what they if they're going to make a big schmaltzy cheesy Christmas movie, I want them to make me think about like the fact that like. Some people are very alone, and then this time of year, like, they, they can feel even more alone, and this can be a time of year where you can find new connections, new people to make you feel like you have a place in the universe.
2: Yeah, so yeah. that is such a great call-out because of the low bar I have for this month in general, like, North Pole was my, my favorite like, at least tried to have some of those, like, Christmas messages. We laughed a lot about a lot about them <laughs> yeah. last week. But, like, it tried to do a little bit with, like, actually tying Christmas into the story that it was telling. And most of these movies, like, It's a Wonderful Life is barely at Christmas. But, like, the part where he has his catharsis and his moment, like, fits well with the idea of, like, the Christmas spirit, right? And I think that's why it's so tied to being a Christmas movie. And this movie... And the Christmas Prince movies are actually really good examples of movies that, like, Christmas is as much a decoration on these movies as they are Die Hard or Batman Returns. Yeah, I I agree with you, Peter. Like, I would have liked a little more schmaltz in these movies as opposed to movies that just, like, take place at Christmas that like never tie back in uh, any sort of holiday because they don't do anything with the concept of Christmas besides thinking it's a, it's a setting to, to, to set these other movies on that is somewhat uh, interesting or more likely marketable.
0: This is a pretty cynical take on it, but I think that part of it is that these movies are kind of about the commercialism of Christmas in the way that they're all about people wanting something. They're all about like this Christmas. I need to obtain this particular thing that is missing from my life. So it's not about like the tangible gifts that you're getting, but it's about like these other things that yeah. are lacking from my life that I would like to acquire in this kind of transactional way because it's Christmas season.
2: But it'd be nice if they even said that, right? Like, right, I would and actually feel better. I'd feel weirdly better if it was like, you know what i've got i can't go through another christmas as a single dad (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and that may be schmaltzy and like not but at least it has something to do with christmas like clark Gregg feels like he could be single for the next 20 years and be fine yeah like there's nothing about like tying it into the season that i i say exploitation and, and like in the the lightest possible terms but like cuz who cares yeah they they don't actually tie in the easy things to do that like would at least make me want to watch like a christmas prince is like is a really good example of a christmas movie that spends 3 minutes on christmas even the the iconic uh, iconic <laughs> even the like the big moment happens on new year's eve where he comes back and proposes like i think she gets drummed out of the country on christmas like, ooh, what a great Christmas moment. Like it, is, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it is just odd how, like, I expected them to hit more heavily and just incompetently on tying into the idea of Christmas as, like, a time for everything that you need in your life to be filled, which is not a great look at Christmas. But I expected them to at least do that because it's, it's fucking right there. Yeah. And... At least the Christmas Prince movies in this don't really do it. And even North Pole is not really good at doing it. <laughs> Carrie, did you have any other final thoughts as we wrap this one up?
0: Uh, so I had I had one um, moment that we didn't mention that I just wanted to bring up quickly, which is that uh, they ha- they're on the road together for so many days, and yet it takes until they get to Grandma's house for Hilly and Jennifer Grey to realize that they're both vegetarian. (laughs) And I'm like, you've eaten meals together every day that you've been driving. How did this not come up sooner? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, I mean, I I, am owning the fact that I am a complete Jennifer Grey stan, but I enjoyed this quite a bit. It's (laughs) horrible. It's... Terribly written, and it's racist and, you know, <laughs> very bad. Very bad for society that this movie exists, but I found <laughs> the interactions of the characters engaging enough that I had such a pleasant time watching it, and I I might watch it again in another holiday season. I, the, I, I find this uh, at the at the synagogue I go to, one of the rabbis a couple weeks ago was talking about like the Christmas holiday season is kind of a time that like anyone of any kind of faith group can kind of tap into because it's basically about like we're all trying to find some warmth and light in like the darkest time of year because it's all yeah. happening around like the time of year when there's like the least amount of light out there it's all around like the winter solstice the idea that you can find these movies that are just about froth and light and pleasure even if it's like in the most stupid and problematic of contexts is kind of nice and this one is made decently enough that i feel like i would watch it again
2: Well, if you do, please keep an eye out for the guy at the Hubcat Museum.
0: I I mean, that's the main reason I'm going to watch it again, because I need to see that. It
2: sounds so good. That guy deserves his own movie. But yes, thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on to a half jokey, half serious episode about a forgotten 2006 TV movie.
0: Thank you so much. This was so much fun.
2: Yes. Anything to promote?
0: Uh, I have nothing to promote right now. Hopefully that changes next time I'm on, but yeah. Won't I'm just happy to be so here.
1: Good. We're happy so happy we're so happy that you're on the show and that you uh I mean it's it's the end of the year, so we should probably, you know, say what we're thankful for and we're both super thankful that we got to have Carrie in our lives um yep. and we and uh yeah next year we're going to have you on more episodes and we're going to I'm going to meet you in person sounds like
0: uh so. yeah and what yeah 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 no I'm, I'm 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 going to san diego next year
2: damn it Carrie. <laughs> and we're going to hang Only out in minneapolis <laughs> although i did go to new york and got stranded there and didn't have didn't end up getting a <laughs> chance to to meet you in person but one of these days
0: I told I told you my favorite bisexuality conference is in Minneapolis so one year I'm gonna get back there
2: there you go yeah I'm here all the time it's true
0: (laughs) come hang out with Uh, the bisexuals and me I will
2: (laughs) 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 Uh, anyway uh yeah uh so next week is our wrap up of this month uh oh by the way what was your favorite we kind of said we'd do what was our favorite of of all these ones we watched Peter what was your favorite oh yeah Uh, I said mine was North Pole Uh, Sure, North Pole. Hallmark wins. (laughs) It was definitely the most interesting episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Hallmark... North Pole hit the notes that I wanted it to hit the best,
2: so... uh, It has Santa! It has actual Santa, played by... Actual murderer. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm editing this one, so tell me if I need to insert allegedly (laughs) together. Anyways, we're wrapping it up with... Not Hallmark, not Lifetime, but definitely Netflix for part of it. Uh, Full House Christmas episodes, which includes three Full House episodes and two Fuller House episodes that you can look up uh, on various Full House uh, wikis. Note that the, the main Full House wiki is incorrect. There is a new fourth season of Fuller House episode, which, yes, we will be covering, but the wiki gave up and stopped adding new ones. So, there's five total Christmas-themed with all your favorites. Joey. Jesse. Danny. Urkel. Mr. Feeny. Um, A character from Step by Step. Uh, I think we do this joke on the episode next week, so it'll probably get cut out. Uh, But anyways... (laughs) Yeah, that's all. That's all I have. Uh, Yeah, we recorded. We already recorded it. It's over three hours. So I hope you guys are excited for whatever monstrosity that edits down to. You would think, oh, three plus hours. They probably got into a lot of tangents. And I got to tell you, we did not. It's all full house. (laughs) So we exercised our full house demons, hopefully, and yeah, spend uh ignore your families and spend three hours when that comes out during christmas week uh, listening to us uh talk about our various serious concerns about fuller house and the way that it hurts people uh thank you guys for joining us tonight good night good night good night, good night. Mmm. <laughs> Mwah. <laughs> <laughs>